Good to see you all here today. Good that so many people came early today. My little rebuke last week seemed to actually pay off, you know, for some of you anyway. <laughs> some people it takes three or four rebukes, you know, before they get there. <laughs> but anyway, it was great to have so many people here early today. It's great to see you all. We are back with our current message series called Kingdom People. And we broke this message series into three mini-message series, each with three parts. In October, no, it wasn't. It was September. We looked at Kingdom Come and how God's kingdom has come in Jesus and it continues to come and advance and will one day be here in full. The gospel of the kingdom is not just that we can be saved, that's how we enter the kingdom, but that eventually God's kingdom will fill all things and the whole of creation will be transformed will be saved, not just the individual. And so we looked at kingdom come. And then in, then in October, we looked at kingdom community, how the church, the people of God, we are God's kingdom community, who we are, how we're supposed to be as a church, and how we need the, the wind of the Spirit in our sails to carry us forward as a church. So now, that was the big plan of God's kingdom. The Bible says His kingdom rules over all, and then in His kingdom kingdom community, the church. And now we are coming to um, a three-part one called kingdom culture. And we're going to be looking at you as an individual, your family, and the things that you're involved in in life over the next three weeks. So today, we are starting by looking at you as an individual in our, this three-part on kingdom culture. And today, we are talking about being dedicated disciples. Say that with me. Dedicated disciples. Both of these words are important. So I'm going to start off by just talking a li little bit about what a disciple is. And then, once we've settled what a disciple is, we're going to look at the fact that the only way you will ever be a disciple is if you dedicate yourself to that process. Like there's not, we can't do anything to you that will make you a disciple, okay? Um, it's like you, we can provide opportunities for you to grow spiritually, but you know, if we are more invested in your spiritual growth than you are, then you're not going to grow spiritually. You have to be dedicated yourself. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. The horse has to want to drink itself, and in order for a horse to want to drink, it needs to have a thirst. And in order for you to be a disciple, you will need to dedicate yourself to be that disciple. We can provide the opportunities. We can provide the services, the small groups, the prayer opportunities, things like that, where the living waters of God's Spirit is. We can even lead you to it, but in 
unless you drink, you won't be refreshed. And the only way you're going to drink is if you have a spiritual thirst. If there is something in your heart that thirsts and longs for more of God in your life, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Okay, so we're looking at dedicated disciples. Now, the word disciple is a very important word, and in fact, uh, it's not just used by Jesus about his 12 disciples. You know, Jesus had his 12 disciples, and then he had more than that. He had other disciples as well, but the core group were his 12 disciples. But they're not the only disciples. One of the last things that Jesus said after he rose from the dead, but before he returned to heaven, was that everyone who follows him should be a disciple. This is called the Great Commission. Let's have a look at it. The Great Commission, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 28, and here's what it says. It says, Jesus came and told his, told his disciples, now, this is really the 12 disciples he's talking about here. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Does it say make believers? Is that what it says? It's not a trick question. Somebody over there got the right answer. Does it say make believers? It says make that's an important thing. Make disciples of all the nations. Now, if we went back to the very first week when we were talking about God's advancing kingdom and the big, big picture, I would point out the fact that Jesus has not commissioned us only to make disciples of individuals, but to actually disciple whole nations. Could you imagine if the purpose of the leadership of this nation was to make disciples of Jesus, of everyone in the nation. Can you imagine what a better world it would be? So, an ultimate goal is to disciple nations, okay? But today, I'm talking about you as an individual disciple. Make, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. That is the initiation into the kingdom baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Read the next words with me. Teach these new disciples. So, Jesus calls His disciples and tells His disciples to go and make disciples and then to teach those disciples, right? So, there's a lot more disciples in the twelve. If you believe in Jesus, you are called to be a disciple. Teach these new disciples to obey all the, all the commands I have given you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, whatever a disciple is, a disciple is supposed to be part of the process of making other disciples and then teaching those disciples teaching those disciples what? To obey all of Jesus' commands, 
to be obedient to Jesus, to be followers of Jesus, I want you to notice something that is sometimes said, quite often said in the Christian church, but not really that accurate. Sometimes people will say, could you disciple me? Like, I want to become your disciple. But actually, all the disciples in the Bible are disciples of Jesus. So if you want to be a disciple, you can't really become a disciple of me. But if you think I'm a disciple of Jesus, you could kind of like copy what I do so that you can become a disciple of Jesus. But you need to go straight to the source, okay? You're, you're not like, this is not Amway, okay? It's not like I've got six in my downline and each of them I've got 10 in theirs and, and, and all of that. It's like all of us have one leader, right? His name is? And we are all disciples of? Right. And so that is an important thing because if, it, yes, you can learn from other people. And Paul said, be a follower of me as I am a follower of Christ. And that is all true and good. But you need to be connected to the source. You need to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you. Now, Jesus did talk about commands. This is called the Great Commission, but there's also in the Bible the Great commandment. Let's look at that. The next one. And it said, also Matthew, Matthew 22, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, okay? So Jesus is saying the first and greatest commandment is for every part of your life to be dedicated to God, more than dedicated, because you could dedicate yourself to God, but do it miserably. You know, okay, then I'll guess I have to obey God, you know, and I'll just do it. I'll grip my teeth and I'll do it. No, no, no. It says here, you, will, uh, you, you must love the Lord your God. This is a relationship. You're dedicated to God because you're totally invested in Him, and He is invested in you. This is a relationship. So the first commandment is love the Lord your God with everything in you. Let every part of your life be alive with God. And then it says, and a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these. So if disciples are supposed to obey all of the commandments that Jesus said, there's a snapshot of what a disciple is supposed to do. In fact, Jesus said all the laws in the Bible can hinge on these two. Love God with everything you've got and love other people the way you love yourself. And so we kind of paraphrase that here at Gateway. We say love God, love people, love life, okay? And if you love the gift of life that God has given you, and if you are using that to love God and to love people, then you are investing your life well. And so um, there's the, in fact, all of the law, even the Ten Commandments. If you read the Ten Commandments sometime, the first four are about loving God, and the next six are about loving people. And so all of the laws hang on this. So there is what a disciple, a disciple is someone who, go, who is a follower of Jesus, 
And those new disciples are being taught to obey all of Jesus' commands. So, what does the word mean? What does the word disciple mean? Here is a definition of disciple. It comes from the Greek term mathetes. Now, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. So, this is the way I remember it, that you might, this might not work for you, right? But these are my handies, and these are mathetes, and I follow Jesus with mathetes, okay? That is the way I remember it, okay? <laughs> the Greek term mathetes refers to any student, or a better word is an apprentice, because in our Western culture, a student is someone who sits in a classroom and listens to lectures, Right? But a disciple is someone who is being apprenticed, who is being trained hands-on in whatever it is they're doing. So, the Greek term mathetes refers to any student or apprentice as opposed to the teacher. So, you would have, you would have the teacher and the student um, or the apprentice. In the ancient world, it was most often associated with people who were devoted followers of a great religious leader or a teacher of philosophy. Now, in Jesus' day, what would happen would be if, um, if, if you were a Jewish person, you were brought, brought up in that area, as a kid you were taken to synagogue, if you were a young boy, you would be taught in a kind of children's church kind of thing, children's synagogue type of situation by some rabbis. And kids that came from families that were kind of regard, regarded as respectable families in the community, and the kids uh, were good learners of the Torah, of the Old Testament law and stuff like that, and the family had some financial means, so all the children didn't have to be working to, to earn a living and to feed the family, the rabbi would approach some of their students as they got like towards the age of 12, 13, and say to them, would you like to become one of my disciples? And if a student became a disciple of the rabbi, what that student did was they didn't just attend the rabbi's lectures. They learned the whole way of life of the rabbi. Rabbis, as well as, ha as teaching the scriptures and being the kind of shepherds of the community, rabbis also had a, a, a side gig. You know, they had another job that they did. They, they might be a, someone who works with leather or a carpenter or something like that. And so, the, the disciple of the rabbi, he would learn all the beliefs that the rabbi teaches, and he would even learn the job that the rabbi does. He would model himself exactly on the rabbi. Whenever the rabbi had something important to say, he would pull a little bit of parchment out, and he would write it down. In case you're wondering how Jesus' disciples managed to remember all his parables, they would actually write them down as the rabbi was speaking, okay? And when the disciples had important decisions to make about life, like who they're going to marry and where they're going to live and things like that, they would go to the rabbi for wisdom and counsel and advice, it was kind of like a father-son relationship that the rabbi would enter into, and they would learn what the rabbi teaches, and they would live according to the rabbi's way of life. 
Now, Jesus' disciples were all the rejects that hadn't been chosen by any rabbi. So they had to go and do other things like fish or whatever, become a tax collector. They were all the… Jesus found the rejects that no other rabbi wanted who didn't have the reputation, who didn't have the, the academic skills, who didn't have the financial backing to, to set them up in this way of life. And Jesus goes to the fishermen and the tax collectors and the people out in the community, and He says to them, do you want to become my disciple? So just in case there was any doubt about it, the reason you're a Christian, the reason Jesus chose you is because you're one of the rejects, okay? You're one of the rejects that no other religion wants, no other rabbi wants, but Jesus came and found you and said, come follow me, and you left everything, and you became a disciple or a follower of Jesus. You want to learn all of Jesus' teachings. You want to write down everything He says to you. You want to model yourself on His way of life. When you have important decisions to make in life, you will go to the master, you will go to your rabbi, to your teacher, and you will talk to him about it, and you will ask him for wisdom and guidance in making the decisions in your life. You are now a disciple of Jesus, and that changes your individual life, and it causes you… Add, so this you're not just an individual. It changes your individual life, but as your individual life is changed, it changes and affects the whole world. You know, there are lots of people who want to change the world. They want to change the world. They want to, if they're Christians, they want to change the world so that everyone knows the gospel. They want to, they want to change the world. They want to you know, put a stop to, to uh, violence, put a stop to human trafficking. They want to put a stop to global warming, whatever it is. There are lots of people who want to change the world, but find a great difficulty with even changing themselves, right? And so, somebody said to me once, uh, another preacher once said to me once, I want to change the world, but I get the impression you don't want to change the world. And I said, bro, I'm having a hard enough job changing myself. Once I get on top of that, I'll maybe have a look at somebody else that needs changed, right? But because this is the way I understand the kingdom of God, that God, by His Spirit, transforms me. And as I am changed and become a true, dedicated disciple of Jesus, learning His Word and following His ways, the more I'm changed, the more it will change the things I do, the interactions I have with people, the decisions I make in life. And if everybody is transformed by God, then eventually society changes. Let me just show you the next slide. Could you put the next, the next one up? So it start, you start as an individual. You know, God changes you as an individual, but as you're changed as an individual, it then changes the way that you deal with your family, your friends, the, the, the people that are immediately around you. It then continues into your spiritual community, your church, the kingdom community. In the Old Testament, it was a temple. In the New Testament, it's the church. And then as the church continues to grow, eventually we see 
the social community changed. We see the transformation of the world. We see your friends being impacted. In kingdom culture, we're even told that there's a way we're supposed to treat our enemies as well. Like, it is absolutely infuriating, but it says we have to do it. We have to love them. We have to forgive them. We have to pray for them, and we have to bless them, you know? And so, I know sometimes you want to lay hands on your enemies like that, but the Lord wants you to bless them and so on. And so, there's a way that, that we are, we there are, as we are transformed, the way we interact with the world is transformed as well. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who is learning His Word and learning to follow His ways. Who are, we, are, we are want to become more like Christ. We want to grow and develop because as we change, everything else will change. Okay, but we're not just disciples. We are what kind of disciples? Can you remember? I know it was like 10 minutes ago, but can you remember? Shout it out dedicated disciples. We are dedicated. And because that is how it works. Discipleship only works if you take radical personal responsibility for your life. And by the way, in our culture, our church culture today, we differentiate between believers and disciples. We say, yeah, I was a believer in Jesus for a few years, but then I made a decision to become a real disciple, as if they're two different things. But I want you to read the New Testament sometime, read the book of Acts and some of the epistles. Look for where the word disciple and the word believer is. They are used interchangeably. The the, the New Testament knows nothing of believers in Jesus who are not disciples of Jesus, who are not followers of Jesus. When I, when I came to Christ, when I came to faith in Christ, I realized that I was totally and completely lost. I was living my life without God. I would die without God. I would spend eternity without God. I was lost. But when I heard the gospel, I realized God loved me and sent His Son to save me. And not only did He do that 2,000 years ago, but He was at work right now, arranging the circumstances so that I would be in a certain place at a certain time to hear the gospel and be saved and be changed. And I was transferred from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God from being lost to being, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So what was I going to do after Jesus saved me? Was I just going to go back to my old lost blind life? No. What else was I going to do but follow him all the days of my life after that? If you've been truly saved, if your heart has been transformed by God, you will know it because there will now be a desire by the indwelling Holy Spirit that all you want to do is follow your Savior all the days of your life. It would be like, imagine you were in a desert wandering through the desert, no water. You're dying. 
you're, you're close to death. And all of a sudden, a man appears with a big canister of water. And he gives, you, he gives you this water, and you drink the water, and after drinking the water, your life is spared. And then the man, you're able to stand up, you've got some energy, and then the man says, follow me this way. I know the way home. Follow me this way. Are you going to say to the guy, well, thanks for the drink, but I'm not interested in following. I'll, I'll, I'll just do it on my own. I'll keep doing what I was doing. Of course you're not. You're going to follow the man with the water all the way home. And when Jesus found you lost in darkness, without God, without hope, and he poured into you the living waters of salvation, only an idiot would not now follow the man with the living water all the way home again. If you're a true believer, you will want to follow the fountain of living water always. But you need to make the decision. You need to make the decision. And look at this, radical personal responsibility. The book of Galatians chapter 6 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, I always, think, I always find it really interesting the way the Bible words things. The Bible doesn't say, have you found yourself in sin? Then just lie there helplessly until somebody else comes along and helps you onto the right path, right? If the, whenever the Bible's talking about you in a predicament, it tells you to do something about it. But then it also tells you if you see someone else in a predicament, it also tells you to do something about it and to help them. You have got to take responsibility, not only for your own life, but the things that you come across in your world. And it says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens so there's a communal thing here, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. I love this bit. You're not that important. I read this, it was some months ago, I was really irritated by somebody and, and something that they had done uh, or said, and I was like, that is just ridiculous. I mean, do they even know who I am? That was what I was saying to the Lord, you know. And, um, and then I opened the Bible and I felt the Lord said, you think you're important? You ain't that important, buddy, right? This was it. Look, you are not that important. Pay special attention to your own work. Say that with me. Pay special attention to your own work. Take radical personal responsibility for your life. It always amazes me when you, over the years, I've noticed this many times, you know, well, I, I, I just don't get anything out of coming to church anymore. Well, that's funny because the person in the row in front of you just got saved. The person in the row behind you just got healed. And the person on your right just got a prophecy that changed their life. And the person on your left was so discouraged, but the message in the worship lifted their spirit. Maybe it's you that's the problem rather than the entire church, you know. Maybe you only get out of things what you put into them. And so, look, it says here, um, uh, pay attention to your own work. Take personal responsibility, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to other people. 
You're a follower of Jesus, not a follower of other people. If you're a follower of other people, no matter how awesome you think that other person is, sooner or later, you're going, something's going to happen. Your hero or whatever is going to cut you off on the highway, not knowing it's you, and you're going to be mad at them, and then you're going to say, that person's not the person I thought they were. Well, only Jesus is the person that we think He is, okay? Everyone else is a fallible, fallen human being, right? And so, um, it says here, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Say that with me. We are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. If you don't like the harvest that's showing up in your life, check on the seed that you're planting into your life, okay? You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own natural desires oh, I can't be bothered getting out of bed today. I'll just skip church. I'll just lie in bed and watch it in my pajamas. I'm watching you through the screen there, right? <laughs> um, so, if you, if you just want to satisfy your own natural desires, you will harvest death and decay from that nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. This is saying, look, you're responsible for your spiritual growth. You're responsible to make sure your eyes are still on Jesus. You're responsible to take stock of your own life. You're responsible to, uh, in the seeds that you're planting in your world. That will produce the harvest that you, that you receive back. But not only are you responsible for your life, if you see someone else who should be responsible for their life, you're supposed to help them, share their burdens, encourage them, get them onto the right path, because that person is part of your world, and you've taken radical, personal responsibility for your life. If you want a nice Christian word, a nice biblical word for taking radical, personal responsibility, it is the word devoted, devoted. And every time I hear that word, um, I think of, how many of you remember the movie Grease? Remember Grease? Do you remember Olivia Newton-John, I'm Hopelessly Devoted to You? Do you remember that song? I sing that song in my head every time, well, just the lat line. Anytime I read this passage of Scripture, and look what it says here. It says in Acts chapter 2, all the believers did what? Do you notice that they were called believers, but they're about to describe disciples, because believers are disciples, and disciples are believers, and there's not two, there's not like, I'll become a believer, and that will get me into heaven, but I'm not going to do that discipleship stuff. You know, it's a bit extreme, you know? No, believers are disciples, and all the believers did what? Shout out! They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. 
They didn't have someone in the church calling them and texting them every two days and say, you are, you are coming to the group tonight, aren't you? I'm just triple checking that you're coming to the group tonight. They know where the group is. They were there last week. If they want to turn up, they'll turn up, okay? And if they don't turn up, it's because they didn't want to turn up right? And so, if you want to grow, if you want to be a disciple, you have to devote yourself to what? To the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions to help those in need. They worshiped together. By the way, we do, you know, earlier on, you mentioned the, this month's fundraiser, and you know, we do fundraisers here. When we gather together, one of the things that we have the opportunity to do is to worship God. We have the opportunity to hear the teaching of the Word of God. We have the opportunity to pray and receive prayer. We have the opportunity to fellowship with one another. We have the opportunity to contribute to help those in need. And then it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you know that if you have a church full of people who have made a decision to devote themselves to be disciples, they have taken radical personal responsibility of their spiritual life, and they have dedicated themselves to be a disciple to all of these things, to learning the Word, to beginning to walk in His ways, to meeting with His people, to speaking to Him in prayer, all of that stuff that we read about there. Do you know what happens? Other people look on and say, I don't know what I want to be part of that. I don't know what's going on in that church down the road, but I want to be part of that. People with needs are drawn to it. People who are lost are drawn to it because the Lord adds to our numbers. Let me just show you three things I want to show you before we pray about just to sum all this up. What a dedicated disciple is. Number one, a disciple of Jesus is someone who has heard the gospel and responded to it by repenting of their sins, by putting their faith in Christ, and by being added to the church. Read the Bible, folks. That's the message. Sometimes today we say that the message is, just believe in Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Do you need to repent of them? Oh, we won't talk about that. It might put them off. Do they need to join the church? We, we won't mention that. It will just put the… Put, no. If you want to be a disciple, you have heard the gospel, and you have responded to it by repenting of your sins. Listen, I had to repent of my sins to get in. You ain't getting in cheaper, okay? So, repenting of their sins putting their faith in Christ and being added 
to the kingdom community. That's the first thing, okay? A disciple of Jesus is someone who has heard the gospel and, and followed. Secondly, and is now an apprentice of Jesus, is following his teachings, hearing his voice, and obeying his commandments. You're not perfect. You're an apprentice. You're learning, but you're learning to do it more and more. And thirdly, a disciple of Jesus is someone who has done these things not because they are being coerced or they're being discipled. You know, it's like, your life's a bit out of control. I think I should disciple you. Do you want to be discipled? Because me discipling you won't do anything unless you dedicate yourself to be a disciple, okay? Not because they're being coerced into it, but because their hearts have been changed. If your heart has been changed, shout amen, somebody. They want to live like and for Christ. If you want to live like and for Christ, shout hallelujah. And they have taken radical personal responsibility for their life and have devoted themselves. If you want to do that, shout, I do. Okay, let's stand together. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer. We are going to make a fresh dedication of ourselves to God as disciples, asking Him to rule and reign in our lives. So let's look at the prayer. Let's lift up our hands. And we're going to pray on the count of three. One, two, three. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Let's give God a praise, church. Come on.